Praise God for good stories and transformation and how God puts and equips each of us to serve in the body of Christ. Well, welcome. We're going to walk into the teaching time. Welcome to those of you that are in an online worship experience with us. We are just jazzed to share this moment together. Um, City on a Hill, that's our series. And the concept that Jesus teaches on profoundly in Matthew chapter 7 is that of judging and, and being judging. So at some point in time, we've all submitted some important project for judging. Just think about that. Maybe you went to the county fair and you took your pig. Maybe you went to the county fair and you took your pie. And uh, you wondered if you're going to get the blue ribbon or the red ribbon or some other kind of, kind of award there, participant. Uh, Maybe you've gone to 4-H and shown your horse. Uh, I did some riding contests back in, in middle school era. Uh, oops, just like that's catching there just a little bit. Um, and, and at some point in time, you've done some artistic or academic or athletic endeavor where you felt you were putting yourself out there and just like, let's see what the kids got. And you're just going to do what you do and, and, and see how things land. If, if we were going to maybe point to one universal concept. We go, oh yeah, judging and uh, being judged. I think the great British baking show, I don't know if I said that right or not, but the judge uh, that's been profound there is Paul Hollywood. And Paul will, uh, they, they, what, what have they done? Uh, 27,000 different baking experiences have happened in 12 years there. And if the judge Paul really likes what you do, he will extend his hand for a handshake. I, I looked it up. Do you know how many times Paul has extended a hand for a handshake in 12 years? 37 times. Only 3.3 times a year. Paul go, good job there, buckaroo. Uh, way, to, way, to, way, to, way to go. Uh, and then there's times. There's times that, that in one of your roles, you've kind of sat in a seat of appropriate judgment. You've been a teacher who's asked to... Uh, uh, provide some insight or grade. Uh, maybe somebody said, hey, what kind of restaurant should we go to? Or somebody says, how do I look in this? And you go, oh, hey, yeah, you look marvelous. That's what you do. Uh, you look marvelous <clears throat> in that. Well, I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to walk into Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read this scripture together. <coughs> and these are the words of Jesus. Let's read it together. Here we go. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Lord God, this is your word and these are your people. And we have gathered together your word and your people, Lord, in such a marvelous way that we ask that our lives would never be the same. In your mighty name, amen. Go ahead, have a seat. <coughs> well, it is... <clears throat> like a sobering wake-up call, like smack, smack, to, to hear that, don't be judgmental. And I believe if we get a hold of this, it will revive our spirit. It will renew us. There will be something that takes place in your lives and in the lives of people around you that they're gonna be grateful for. Uh, you're never, just never the same again. Uh, there's a companion scripture, uh, Luke chapter six. And I want you to hear this. These are the words of Jesus once again in a different setting. Do not judge, and you will be not, not be judged. Do not condemn, 
and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Given it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap for the measure in which you use it will be measured to you. And uh, I went to a church for an extended period of time <clears throat> that the pastor would always say, he'd start with the give part, give and it will be given to you. We'd, take, we'd say that before the offering. Uh, and and I, I think that is, is, is true in a general way. Yes, give and it will be given. It sounds a lot like Micah uh, chapter six, where it talks about God throwing open the floodgates when we tithe. But there's this sense of generosity in regards to being a person who forgives, being a person who's non-judgmental, that when we take on that posture, God incredibly blesses us. Hang on a second. Go, go, everybody go ahead and clear your throat. Here we go. Same thing. So we'll, we'll do these intermittently. Here we go. <clears throat> All right. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So why do we not judge? Repeatedly in the word of God, it says, don't be judgmental. And repeatedly, thanks. I left that down there. Thank you, Brooke. Uh, repeatedly in the word of God, it says that we will experience judgment. But who is the judge? Um, judgment is actual, is factual, is experiential. And uh, we're not the judge. So we've heard that. So who is the judge? Let's read, and it pops up. There's so many scriptures we could pick. Let's do Psalm 75.7. You ready? Let's read this one together. Here we go. It is God who judges. Pause. Let's do it again. Let's start again. You ready? It is God who judges. Okay, wait a sec. Just in case we don't have it, let's start it over again. Here we go. It is God who judges. He brings one down and he exalts another. We play to an audience of one. And, and in the culture that we're in, it sure seems like everybody wants to give a review. Everybody wants their voice and their opinion heard. Everybody wants to tell you, has, has, has a something for you. Child of God, you played an audience of one. And, and all that other stuff is gonna take care of itself. Um, when we wind up sitting in the seat of judgment, we start playing God. And uh, it's, it, it's, not, it's not a... It's not a seat that we are invited to, to occupy. Uh, so Terry and I have a buddy who is a great piano player. Her name is Sylvia. And she played at the church that we were in, Wisconsin, for, for many, many years. So there's this prolific piano, concert pianist that comes into the area. His name is Dino. Anybody heard of Dino? He's, he's up there in age a bit, but, but Dino gave all these concerts. Well, he comes into the area, and while he's giving a concert, he just asks the crowd, hey, is there anybody who happens to, to be pretty good at playing the piano? And everybody points at Sylvia. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, she can play the gospel music. She can play the hymn. She can do the honking. She can play. We would go to the uh, nursing homes, and she'd play the, the old-timey songs for the older folks. She can play anything. So Sylvia sits next down to Dino, who's getting paid big bank to he's the one who's given the concert and she can hang with Dino she can play so he whispers to her he says they're, they're sharing the same piano bench he goes hey move on over a little bit and she does and and he does this when she moves over on the bench a little bit he hams it up and goes like oh you know acts like she's she's budging him out of the way he whispers again 
move over a little bit. And he does it again. And then move over a little bit. And then this time, she moves over a little bit more. There's no more room on the seat. And Dino just flies off the bench. Oh my word. And just, you know, uproarious laughter. Sylvia <clears throat> was so, so good at, excuse me a sec, at playing the piano with Dino that he, he, had, he had a place in Branson she would go there for months and he'd plant her in the audience and she would be the one that he would, he would call up on stage. <clears throat> so it's comedic. It was, it, was, it was uproarious laughter. When we wind up sitting in the seat of judgment, friends, it's a comedy. But that's not the role that God's asked us to play. That is not the seat that we're supposed to. When you, have you ever, admittedly so, have you ever budged God out of the seat of judgment? I got this, boom, no, Lord, really, I got, and, 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 and it's not the Lord that's whispering to you. It's the enemy that's whispering to you. Move God on out of there. Um, Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. When we get into the payback, when we get into the revenge business, when we get into that, uh, it is not poetic. What happens? Payback just elicits payback that elicits payback. And this is how God says, let me sit in the seat of judgment. And what's really interesting is it's called, it's called a, a cup of wrath, that, that, that God shares a cup of wrath. And what happens is when people have been rebellious, against God. God's main ingredient in people drinking a cup of wrath is their own rebellion. Comes back and it's ironic, it's poetic and all of a sudden people, if we get in the way, what does that say? Oh yeah they're out to, you know, that, that person's really, they're, they're really a piece of work and, but when God is the one who, who brings judgment in people's lives, they go, oh I, I, better, I better rethink how I'm living my life um, do you think you can author, author better revenge stories than the Lord God Almighty? God authors great stories, and God will author revenge stories. We do not need to sit in the seat of judgment. All right, back to the Sermon on the Mount. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother or sister's eye and pay no attention to the plank that's in your own? And how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite, you actor. And, 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 and we get the hypocrite term, we get the actor term. What are we acting at? We're acting at the role of being the judge. We're never asked to play that role. Never, never asked to play that role. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother or sister's eye. Now, pause for just a moment before we pound into this just a little more. What role has God asked you to play? What are you gifted at? What are you interested in? Where has God blessed you? Where has God anointed you? Where has God moved in your midst? And you go, this is definitively what God has asked me to do. Think about that for just a minute. It's a great thing. God is for you. God has plans. God has purposes for you. It's wonderful. Nobody said to be the judge. Nobody, nobody that, did, that, that was not impressed upon your spirit. Some wonderful, awesome things were. Live into that. God has given you all kinds of wonderful roles to fulfill. Being the judge is not one of those. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we got three different waves. The first wave that we'll experience, we'll just do a commentary. 
some commentary thoughts in this passage. The next wave, uh, we're going to do a kind of a biblical look at at justice. It's it's a in, in a cultural perspective for us. Second wave, the third wave, it's going to be a, a challenge. The fact that God really sits in the seat of judge, and we don't. All right, wave number one. Ready for wave number one? Uh, it's it's just a commentary on this passage. What we just read is a judging spirit is like a beam. It's like a plank in our own eye. So what, what is is like, well, first take the plank out of your eye and then you can see the speck in others. And a lot of times, at first glance, what we're gonna think is, oh yeah, we've all got stuff in our life. As soon as I address the stuff in my life, I get to start pointing out specks in other people's lives. I, I, I think what Jesus is up to here the plank, it is, it is uh, a judgmental spirit. That's what the plank, that's what Jesus is talking about. Because all of a sudden, what gets in the way of us actually being able to be helpful to other people is that all the time, wherever we go, we're like planking, we're eye planking people. We go, oh, hey, you know, I, I, I know what you should do here and you should do this there. We're just judging people all the time. We're judging atmospheres and situations. We're the ones that place ourselves in the seat of judgment. And what naturally, if, if you hang around someone like that, or if you censure like that, what happens? People take a step back. They don't know what to do with you because you're complaining and judging everyone and everything. And when we sit in the seat of judgment that we've never been asked to sit in, God's given you all kinds of wonderful roles to do, all of a sudden, People, people just, they don't know what to do with us because we never stop judging. And our influence is incredibly minimal. Um, we define and we dismiss people. But what happens is we are so dismissive of others, we are the ones who just wind up dismissing ourselves from having touch in other people's lives. They don't know what to do with us. Um, And you know what eventually happens? Whether it happens in the lives of believers and it happens in the lives of those who are in the world, eventually, we're not just judging other people, we're judging God. God, you're gonna have to give an answer to this, and God, you're gonna have to get, God God can handle your doubts. God can handle your fears. God can handle your tough questions. But all of a sudden, if we begin exercising life spiritually and mentally, like God's got to answer for the problems of evil and so God's got to give, God eventually in the book of Job says, hey, who is it that questions me without wisdom and knowledge? Hey, I will question you. Where were you where the heavens and the earth's foundations were laid? Where were you just like, where were you when, when the sun and the moon and the stars were hung? Let me ask you and you give answer to me. He flips the seats entirely and where they ought to be. If the spirit of God, friend, is saying something to you and I believe there's a revival that can take place in your midst, stop budging God out of the judgment seat. It is not where we belong. We're going to continue Matthew chapter 7, 6. Okay, this is going to be interesting here, all right? This is going to sound like a judgment kind of piece. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. Uh, 
what you, what, what you wind up reading here is, well, apparently we're making an assessment on who's it. Y'all dog you, you pig you. you know, we're, we're, it looks like we're making this assessment that, that we're declaring that a person is a dog or a pig. And, and dogs aren't like our cute little dog, Kip. Kip's awesome. Uh, Kip, Kip's great. But like, Kip, Kip's like kind of a lap dog. These are dogs that run in packs. They're scavengers. Pigs are scavengers. And it goes on to say, if you do, they may trample them under their feet and they might turn and tear you to pieces. I was saying, my dog Kipton's awesome. He is. He eats gross stuff. Yeah, just, just, what are you doing? You know, what, 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 why, why are you eating that right now? Okay, so earrings. Kip will get a hold of Terry's earrings and eat those. Kip will, T- Terry wears these snappy little uh, dangly necklaces when she goes and teaches kindergarten. Oh, we got to get those out of the dogs. You know, they're not expensive, but all of a sudden her little, her little fun elephant or her little, her little snappy heart thing. And I was like, stupid dog, what are you doing? Don't throw your pearls to the pigs and the dogs. And uh, so at some point, Jesus is saying something here. And here's what I believe what is being said. A discerning spirit, we're called to have a discerning spirit. At some point in time, you go, ooh, that's a dog of an attitude that person's got. That's a pig. They got, that person's got some stinking thinking. And they don't know what to do with some deep spiritual. I, you know what? They tend to be a scavenger. Now, there are certain things you do give to pigs, and there's certain food you do give to dogs, but a discerning spirit is non-judgmental. It's wise. Yes, we're non-judgers, but we're discerning. Jesus asked us to do that. So here's what we're going to do. How did Jesus interact with people on the struggle bus? <laughs> what, what did Jesus do when you might go, ah, that's a, that old dog, what's, what's he going to do with them? Let's just look at that real quick. Um, so when he encounter somebody who is in some really lifestyle issues and folks want to throw stones at this gal, what did Jesus do? Don't throw stones. But what did he also do? He didn't throw a celebration either. No stones, no celebration for someone who's caught up in immoral lifestyles, who's caught up in, it has nothing to do with the image of God. And our world today says you need to celebrate things that are, have nothing to do with the image of God. He says, no, 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 we don't celebrate those things. But we're not going to throw stones either. That Jesus says, when someone's on the struggle bus, my heart can ache and I can whisper, go and sin no more, but there's no stones that are being thrown. When Jesus encounters an individual named Zacchaeus, who has been, been pilfering uh, from from neighbors, making bank for himself, making bank for the outside Roman government. And, and nobody's gonna get out of Zacchaeus's way so he can even encounter Jesus on the roadside. He climbs up this tree. Jesus goes, Zach, I'm coming to your house. And it melts and it warms his heart. When Jesus encounters a religious leader named Nicodemus, who is just so dull to truth, that G- Jesus says, hey, I, I, what, what you need is to be born again. And how can you go back into your mother's womb? And he goes, Nick, Nick, you're a religious teacher, buddy. Physical birth, you're a physical being. You're also a spiritual being. You must be born of the spirit. You need a physical birth and a spirit birth to fully encounter the living God. Listen to the wind. And Nicodemus gets it. Jesus has a conversation with a woman who comes to the well in the heat of the day because she's on the struggle bus because nobody wants to have anything to do with this gal and in her community. And Jesus says, hey, 
I've got water that will spring up to eternal life. And Jesus knows how to deal with individual friends. God will give you the words and God will give you the wisdom in knowing how to encounter and deal with people in a variety of situations. But there is a discerning spirit is not the same as a judgmental spirit. Second wave, okay? I, I'm, I'm hoping this is gonna be, be helpful. Um, now, we're not judgmental, but listen to the word of God in Micah 6. He has shown you, O mortal, O human, O one created in the image of God, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to show mercy, to walk humbly with your God. So there's something about we don't sit in the seat of judgment, but we are to participate in, in justice, in, in, in biblical justice. This is where I want to tread in a certain way that my hope is to be helpful in a current cultural milieu that we wind up being in because people can go to the word of God because they point to a they point to a, a social system or a political way of thinking they go here's what the Bible says and they're just kind of finding what they want to find in the word of God that word that's used justice is mishpat and it's used 200 plus times and 90% of the time it, it means something like this hey uh Orphans, widows, immigrants, vulnerable people, don't take advantage of them. Don't, don't, take, don't take advantage of, of those folks. That, that's, that's a justice piece. Um, I, I might throw in there, in our culture, some of the most vulnerable individuals are unborn children. Don't take advantage of them. Don't take advantage of unborn children for your own gain in any way. And, and that's... That's a dynamic that we are to understand as, as justice. Um, and, and it might just say, it's, it's, if, I can, if I can define that, you're, you're serving vulnerable people. You serve vulnerable people. A second piece, and, and we understand this, God loves freedom. Freedom is all throughout the word of God. God wants, God wants you to freely love. You're not made a robot. God gives all kinds of opportunity. God gives people all kinds of opportunities and abilities. And God wants us to engage and freely love and respond to God. And so there's this dynamic of freedom. There's also this dynamic when we look at, at justice of there's a sense of a right way to live that I might just call it a moral code that God, that we know from one culture to the next, that God, I'm gonna get into this at the end, God desires to write his law in our minds and on our hearts, not just that we, we ro robotically follow, but it's like, oh yeah, there's a right way to treat people. And so in these concentric circles of living with a moral code, experiencing appropriate freedom, um, that we serve those who are vulnerable, when we look at those circles together and we begin to match them together, then we're getting at the heart of what biblical justice is all about. And, 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 and sometimes some people with a certain slant, they just go to, you know, one, one of those and, and they leave it there. Uh, if I may, what, what, what happened in the Old Testament, there were these kind of concepts. They said, uh, hey, um, give to the priests, make sure they get the mishvat, like, like, like there's certain things that you're supposed to give to people who didn't have their own land, who were working uh, to, to, to help the community in the, in the temple process. Uh, when you harvest your fields, landowners, 
harvest sloppy, don't harvest the edges because people are gonna come glean. I want, want those who don't have as much to have a sense of work ethic and to come glean. When you beat your olive trees, when you harvest it, just go through one time. Don't, don't beat them a second time because you're gonna leave something for others to come. And it's like a, like a mishpah. There's a sense of, of justice ab- about that. Uh, God says, I love honest scales. And when he loves honest scales, d- d- don't, I don't enjoy the business person who puts their thumb or weights the scale down so when you're weighing down the mutton or the grain, you get more money than what's actually there because you weighed it down a little more. And all of a sudden, you know how it goes. So he said, well, it's going to be a tough week. I'm just going to put the thumb on the scale for this week. It's like, no, 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 no. Never. These are the kind of things. So God's role is judge. We participate in justice, and we will be judged accordingly. Okay, third wave. You ready for the third wave? Third wave is this. Um, God's a judge. <laughs> and, and so we might as well just embrace it and own it. And how is it that, that God works as the judge in our life? And know that God is for you. God, God is your creator. God is your savior. But God does sit in the seat of, of judgment. Um, the, the, the first is this. You're going to see five. I don't think this is an exhaustive list, but I think this is the, these are the main ones. Is your name in the book of life? Five times in the book of Revelation, it references that there are names in the book of life, and not everybody's name is in the book of life. You have your name written in the book of life when you recognize that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that died for your sins. And you've entered into that, into that relationship. In fact, Jesus says in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and I'm knocking at the door. And when you open up your life to me, I enter in. Your name is, I will not blot out your name in the Lamb's book of life. And there is a sense that when our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, oh child of God, this is phenomenal, that there is a resurrected body that is awaiting you. There is there is presence of God for all eternity that waits for you. And so some of you today, this day, your reviving experience is to say, God, forgive me. I want to follow you. You ever, you ever gone to somebody's house and they say, put your name in the guest book. Hey, could you put your name in the guest book? Why don't you put your name in the guest book? Jesus, I might just say in this reciprocal way, you invite God to put his name in your life and God wants to write your name in, in, into his book. It's this reciprocal dynamic that takes place. Now, today, the spirit is knocking. This is the time. You can affirm it all over again, but today would be the day that you say, I, I, I'm in. Don't miss the fact God is your creator and your sustainer and he loves you and today's the day and when you say yes God's not done with you yet in John chapter 15 Jesus talks about the beauty of abiding in him and the fact that God the father is this amazing gardener as we are like trees in the garden and and the father prunes Terry's dad is an amazing gardener he can grow all kinds, his, his, his garden is phenomenal. Hey Dave, how do you do the plants and how do you do the vegetables and how do you do the trees? But, but there's this piece that happens that gardeners know, they know when to trim things back. Have you ever pruned a tree? Or said, boy, they prune them back. Some of you friends, it is a sense of loving judgment that, that the gardener prunes so that you might even be more fruitful. 
that you have been fruitful, but there's a cutting back. Things might be eliminated, taken away, cut back, but it's just so you can be more fruitful. I just, some of you are sensing that and you're experiencing that today. That's God's love as the amazing gardener. Another one is that God judges us in regards to, remember the parable of the talents? That, that you're entrusted with a variety of things and the master says, what did you do with what I gave you? Every day, not just at the end of days, but every day there's a sense of, what did you do with what God gave you? And God is, God, God entrusts you with more accordingly, whether it's more influence, more finance, um, more time, more what, whatever, God, God, will, God will give you more of something when you've been faithful with what you've been given in due time and due season. Just own it. God, I, I'm living the parable of the talents. Um, and, and there's a race that's been marked out before you, it says. And there's a unique race for you, but, but oftentimes the things that we traverse in life, there's a commonality to all of us, whether we call this the tests of life or wilderness moments. And it seems like until we can figure something out. God's in the transformation business. God's in the makeover business. God, God is making you beautiful. But, but if there's something that we're struggling getting right, God may repeat <laughs> that course until we get it right, that God judges that. And friends, know this. You just, we're just not gonna fake God out. It's like, you know, I'm gonna kind of figure out how to get around those tests or those judgment moments. God sees our hearts. God, God knows, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. I, I invite you to stand, and I want to read Jeremiah 31 over you, and then I'm going to ask you to respond to the challenges, but here's what the Word of God says. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I were going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel. I'm going to make a new covenant with my people, not according to the covenant that I made when they wandered in the wilderness and when they got out of Egypt, but this is the covenant that I want to make with my people in these days. I want to put my law on their minds and I want to write it on their hearts. And, and the gist of what Jesus is trying to convey in the entire Sermon on the Mount is, you have heard that it's said, but I say to you, God wants to put these things in just in your minds and hearts, child of God, that you're so in tune with God that you just know the voice of the shepherd. It says that they will know the Lord from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, and I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. I want to give just the, the call and response to the, the challenges. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. We'll work backwards. But how many of you just go, I, I know God sees me. Just, and you say, God do see. Just go ahead and raise your hand. And a lot of you can raise your hand. Just go, God sees me. I embrace it. I'm ready for that. God I know that you see. How many of you just feel a sense that you're going through tests and trials of life? And that's a sense of, I, know, I can feel that God, that there's tests in life. Let's do the parable of the talents. How many of you feel like, oh, one of the things what I need to embrace that God's spoken is that, that, God, has, that, that God has entrusted me with certain things and God, God's gonna make an assessment of what's been placed in my hand. Amen. Amen to that. God does. God does. Some, it's... We're gonna to get to the book of life. But how many of you feel like you're being pruned? Just that, that God's cutting you back? It's uncomfortable, isn't it? 
but there's a pruning, just, it's okay. God loves you. God knows what God's doing. And, and it's great if, if this is something you've responded to long ago or today. How many say, God, thank you that my name's written in the Lamb's book of life? Can you just thank you that my name's written in the Lamb's book of life? And some of you, it's the first time you've ever raised your hand to that. You're part of the family of God. Lord God, I thank you that today is the day that we get out of your way <laughs> in regards to judgment. You, you play that role. And we invite you to continue to play that role in the beautiful ways that you do. Lord, be with those who are feeling the tests and the trials of life. Be with us as we steward what you place into our hand. Be with those who are being pruned, Lord. We welcome those whose names are written into the Lamb's book of life, who've, who've heard your voice and are not listening to the voice of the enemy. Lord, give us a spirit of discernment and may we be able to so fully embrace the goodness of the fact that you are writing your word upon our minds and upon our hearts. We love you, we need you, and we thank you. And all God's people, we would say amen. Let's say it, amen.